Chapter Five of the Chartres of Parma by Stendhal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Five. The whole affair had not lasted more than a minute. Fabrizio's wounds were of the most trifling description. His arm was bound up in strips torn off one of the colonel's shirts. He was offered a bed in the upper story of the inn. But while I am lying comfortably here, said Fabrizio to the sergeant, my horse will feel lonely in the stable, and he may take himself off with another master. Not bad for a recruit, said the sergeant, and he settled Fabrizio on some clean straw in the very manger to which his horse was tied. Then, as Fabrizio felt very faint, he brought him a bowl of hot wine and talked to him for a while certain compliments included in this conversation made our hero feel as happy as a king it was near daybreak on the following morning when fabrizio awoke the horses were neighing long and loud and making a terrible racket the stable was full of smoke at first fabrizio could make nothing of the noise and did not even realize where he was at last when the smoke had half stifled him it struck him that the house was on fire in the twinkling of an eye he was out of the stable and on his horse's back he looked up and saw the smoke pouring out of the two windows above the stable and the roof of the house hidden in a black whirling cloud a good hundred fugitives had reached the tavern during the night and all of them were shouting and swearing at once the five or six who were close to fabrizio seemed to him to be completely drunk one of them tried to stop him shouting where are you taking my horse when Fabrizio had gone about a quarter of a league, he looked back. Nobody was following him. The house was blazing. He recognized the bridge, thought of his wound, and touched his arm, which felt hot and tight in the bandages. And what had become of the old colonel? He gave his shirt to bind up my arm. That morning our hero was the coolest and most collected man in the world. The quantities of blood he had lost had washed all the romantic qualities out of his character to the right said he and let us be off he quietly followed the course of the river which after passing under the bridge flowed toward the right side of the road he remembered the good cantiniere's advice what true friendship said he to himself what an honest soul after an hour he began to feel very weak now then he thought am i going to faint if i faint somebody will steal my horse and perhaps my clothes and with my clothes my valuables he had not strength to guide his horse, and was doing his best to keep steady in the saddle, when a peasant digging in a field hard by the high road noticed his pallor, and offered him a glass of beer and a bit of bread. "'Seeing you so pale,' said the man, "'I thought you might have been wounded in the great battle.' Never did help come more in the nick of time. When Fabrizio began to chew that morsel of black bread, his eyes had begun to sting when he looked in front of him. When he had pulled himself together a little, he thanked his benefactor. "'And where am I?' he inquired. The peasant informed him that three-quarters of a league farther on he would find the little town of Zonders, where he would be well cared for. Fabrizio reached the town without well knowing what he was doing, his only care being how not to fall off at every step his horse took. He saw a big gate standing open and rode through it. It led to a tavern, the curry comb the good-natured mistress of the house an exceedingly fat woman ran forward calling for help in a voice that shook with pity two young girls assisted fabrizio to dismount 
before he was well out of his saddle he fainted dead away a surgeon was summoned and he was bled on that day and those following it he hardly knew what was being done to him he slept almost incessantly the puncture in his leg threatened to turn into a serious abscess whenever he was in his senses he begged that care might be taken of his horse and frequently reiterated that he would pay well which mightily offended the good hostess and her daughters he had been admirably tended for a fortnight and was beginning to collect his thoughts a little when he noticed one evening that his nurses seemed very much disturbed presently a german officer entered his room the language in which his questions were answered was one which fabrizio did not understand but he clearly perceived that he himself was the subject of the conversation he pretended to be asleep some time afterward when he thought the officer must have departed he called his hostess did not that officer come to write my name down on a list and take me prisoner with tears in her eyes his hostess admitted the fact well then he cried raising himself up in his bed there's money in my pocket buy me civilian clothes and this very night i'll ride away you've saved my life once already by taking me in when i should have fallen and died in the street save it again by helping me to get back to my mother at this point the landlady's daughters both burst into tears they trembled for fabrizio's safety and as they could hardly understand any french they came close to his bed to question him they held a discussion with their mother in flemish but every moment their wet eyes turned pityingly upon our hero he thought he gathered that his flight might compromise them seriously but that they were ready to take the risk he clasped his hands together and thanked them earnestly a local jew undertook to provide him with a suit of clothes but when he brought it about ten o'clock that night the young ladies discovered by comparing the coat with fabrizio's hussar jacket that it was a great deal too large for him they set to work on it at once there was no time to be lost fabrizio showed them several napoleons hidden in his garments and begged them to sew them into those which had just been bought with the suit the jew had brought a fine pair of new boots fabrizio did not hesitate to ask the kind-hearted girls to cut open his hussar boots at the place he showed them and his little diamonds were soon hidden in the lining of his new footgear a singular result of his loss of blood and his consequent weakness was that fabrizio had almost entirely forgotten his french he talked to his hostesses in italian and as they spoke nothing but their flemish patois intercourse was really carried on solely by signs when the young girls perfectly disinterested as they were beheld the diamonds their admiration for our hero knew no bounds they were convinced he was a prince in disguise anakin the younger and more artless of the two kissed him without further ceremony fabrizio for his part thought them charming and toward midnight when in consideration of the journey he was about to take the surgeon had allowed him to drink a little wine he was half inclined not to depart at all where could i be better off than i am here he said nevertheless about two o'clock in the morning he got up and dressed just as he was leaving his room the kindly hostess informed him that his horse had been carried off by the officer who had searched the house a few hours previously ah the blackguard cried fabrizio to play such a trick on a wounded man and he began to swear our young italian was not enough of a philosopher to recollect the price he himself had paid for the horse anakin told him through her tears that a horse had been hired for him if she could have had her will he would not have started at all the parting was a tender one two tall young fellows 
the good landlady's kinsman lifted fabrizio into his saddle and walked along holding him up while a third preceded the little party by a few hundred paces on the lookout for any suspicious patrol upon the road after two hours journey a halt was made at the house of a cousin of the hostess of the currycomb in spite of all fabrizio could say he could not induce the young men to leave him nobody they declared knew the paths through the forest as well as they but to-morrow morning when my escape becomes known and you are not seen in the neighbourhood your absence will get you into trouble urged fabrizio a fresh start was made and by good luck when daylight came a heavy fog shrouded the plain toward eight o'clock in the morning they were near a small town one of the young men went on to see whether the post-horses had all been stolen the postmaster had been able to hide them and to fill up his stable with vile screws instead two horses were fetched out of the swamps where they had been concealed and three hours later fabrizio clambered into a little cabriolet shabby enough but drawn by two excellent posters he felt stronger already his parting with the hostess's young kinsman was pathetic in the extreme never not under one of the friendly pretexts fabrizio could invent could he induce them to accept a halfpenny in your condition sir you need it much more than we do was the honest young fellow's invariable reply they departed at last bearing letters in which fabrizio somewhat steadied by the excitement of his journey had endeavoured to express all he felt for his benefactresses the tears were in his eyes as he wrote and in his letter to little anakin some love passages certainly occurred nothing extraordinary happened during the rest of his journey when he reached amiens the sword thrust in his thigh was causing him great suffering the country surgeon had not thought of keeping the wound open and in spite of the bleeding an abscess had formed during the fortnight fabrizio spent in the inn at amiens kept by an obsequious and covetous family the allies were overrunning france and so deeply did our hero reflect upon his late experiences that he became another man there was only one point on which he still remained a child had the fighting he had seen really been a battle and second was it the battle of waterloo for the first time in his life he found pleasure in reading he was always hoping to discover in the newspapers or the descriptions of the battle something which would enable him to recognize the ground he had ridden over with marshal nays and the other general's escort during his stay at amiens he wrote almost every day to his good friends of the currycomb inn as soon as he was cured he went to paris at his former hotel he found twenty letters from his mother and his aunt all beseeching him to return as quickly as possible the last one from the countess pietranera was couched in a sort of enigmatic tone which alarmed him very much this letter dispelled all his tender dreams to a man of his nature a word sufficed to stir up apprehensions of the gravest kind and his imagination immediately depicted misfortunes aggravated by the most gruesome details be careful not to sign your letters when you write us news of yourself said the countess when you return you must not come straight to the lake of como stop in swiss territory at lugano he was to arrive at that little town under the name of cavi there at the principal inn he was to find his aunt's manservant who would tell him what he was to do next the countess closed her letter with the following words use every means to conceal the folly you have committed and above all keep no paper whether written or printed about you 
in switzerland you will be surrounded by the friends of saint marguerite footnote this name thanks to signor peldico is known all over europe it is that of the street in milan in which the ministry of police and the prisons are situated End of footnote. if i have money enough i will send somebody to the hotel de balance at geneva to give you details which i cannot write and which nevertheless you must have before you arrive but for god's sake not another day in paris our spies there will recognize you fabrizio's imagination began to picture the most extraordinary things and the only pleasure of which he was capable was that of trying to guess what the amazing fact might be with which his aunt desired to acquaint him twice during his journey across france he was arrested but each time he contrived to obtain his release these annoyances he owed to his italian passport and that strange title of dealer in barometers which tallied so ill with his useful countenance and his arm in a sling at geneva at last he met one of his aunt's serving men who told him from her that he fabrizio had been denounced to the milanese police as having gone over to napoleon with proposals formulated by a huge conspiracy organized in his late kingdom of italy if this was not the object of his journey said his accuser why should he have taken a false name his mother would endeavour to prove the truth firstly that he had never gone beyond switzerland and secondly that he had left the castle hastily in consequence of a quarrel with his elder brother when fabrizio heard the story his first feeling was one of pride i have been taken for a sort of ambassador of napoleon i am supposed to have had the honour of speaking to that great man would to god it had been so he recollected that his ancestor seven generations back grandson of that valserra who had come to milan with sforza underwent the honour of having his head cut off by the duke's enemies who laid hands upon him as he was going into switzerland to carry proposals to the cantons and to collect recruits he could see in his mind's eye the engraving recording this fact in the family genealogy when fabrizio cross-questioned the man-servant he found him in a fury about a matter which he let slip at last in spite of the fact that the countess had told him several times over to hold his tongue about it it was fabrizio's elder brother ascanio who had denounced him to the milanese police this cruel fact threw our hero into a state bordering on madness to get into italy from geneva it was necessary to pass through lausanne he insisted on starting instantly on foot and walking ten or twelve leagues although the diligence from geneva to lausanne was to depart within two hours before he left geneva he had a quarrel in one of the dreary cafes of the place with a young man who so he declared had looked at him strangely it was perfectly true the phlegmatic sensible young citizen who never thought of anything but making money believed him to be mad when fabrizio entered the cafe he had cast wild glances about him on every side and then spilled the cup of coffee he had ordered over his trousers in this quarrel fabrizio's first instinctive movement was quite in the style of the sixteenth century instead of suggesting a duel to the young genevan he drew his dagger and threw himself upon him to strike him in that moment of fury fabrizio forgot everything he had learned concerning the code of honour and fell back on the instinct or should i rather say on the memories of his early boyhood the confidential servant whom he met at lugano increased his rage by relating fresh details fabrizio was very much loved at grianta and nobody would ever have mentioned his name 
but for his brother's spiteful proceeding every one would have pretended to believe that he was at milan and the attention of the police would never have been drawn to his absence you may be quite certain that the customs officers hold a description of your appearance said his aunt's messenger and if we travel by the high road you will be stopped on the frontier fabrizio and his attendants knew every mountain path between lugano and the lake of como they disguised themselves as hunters in other words as smugglers and as they were three together and resolute-looking fellows into the bargain the customs officers they met did no more than greet them civilly fabrizio arranged matters so as to arrive at the castle about midnight at that hour his father and all the servants with powdered heads were sure to be safe in their beds without any difficulty he dropped into the deep ditch and entered the castle by a small window opening out of the cellar here his mother and his aunt were awaiting him very soon his sisters joined them for a long time they were all in such a transport of tenderness and tears that they had hardly begun to talk sensibly before the first rays of dawn warned these beings who believed themselves unhappy the time was slipping by i hope your brother will not have suspected your return said the countess pietranera i have hardly spoken to him since this fine prank of his and his vanity did me the honour of being very much hurt to-night at supper i condescended to address him i had to find some pretext for hiding my wild delight which might have roused his suspicions then when i perceived how proud he was of this sham reconciliation i took advantage of his satisfaction to make him drink a great deal more than was good for him and he will certainly not have thought of lying in ambush to carry on his spying operations it's in your room that we must hide our hussar said the marchesa he cannot start at once we have not collected our thoughts sufficiently as yet and we must choose the best way of throwing that terrible milanese police off the scent this idea was promptly put into practice but on the following day the marchese and his eldest son remarked that the marchesa spent all her time in her sister's apartment we will not depict the passion of joy and tenderness that filled these happy beings hearts during the whole of that day the italian nature is much more easily wrung than ours by the suspicions and wild fancies born of a feverish imagination but its joys on the other hand are far deeper than ours and last much longer during the whole of that day the countess and the marchesa were absolutely beside themselves they made fabrizio begin all his stories over and over again at last so difficult did any further concealment of their feelings from the sharp eyes of the marchese and his son ascanio appear that they decided to betake themselves to milan and there conceal their mutual ecstasy the ladies took the usual boat belonging to the castle as far as como any other course would have aroused innumerable suspicions but when they reached the port of como the marchesa recollected that she had left papers of the most important description at grianta she sent the boatmen back at once and they were thus deprived of all opportunity of noticing the manner in which the two ladies employed their time at como the moment the latter arrived they hired one of the carriages that always stand near the high tower built in the middle ages which rises above the milan gate and started off at once without giving the coachman time to speak to a soul about a quarter of a league beyond the town they fell in with a young sportsman of their acquaintance who as they had no gentleman with them was good-natured enough to attend them to the gates of milan whether he himself was bound shooting on the way everything promised well and the ladies were talking most merrily to the young traveller 
when just where the road bends round the base of the pretty hill and wood of san giovanni three gendarmes in disguise sprang to the horses heads ah cried the marchesa my husband has betrayed us and she fainted away a sergeant of gendarmes who had been standing somewhat in the background approached the carriage he stumbled as he walked and spoke in a voice that was redolent of the tavern i am sorry to have to perform this duty but i arrest you general fabio conti fabrizio thought the sergeant was poking fun at him by calling him general i'll pay you out for this thought he to himself he had his eye on the gendarmes and was watching his opportunity to leap from the carriage and take to his heels across the fields the countess smiled at a venture as i think and then said to the sergeant but my good sergeant do you take this child of sixteen years old to be general conti are you not the general's daughter said the sergeant behold my father said the countess pointing to fabrizio the gendarmes broke into a roar of laughter show your passports and don't bandy words said the sergeant nettled by the general mirth these ladies never take any passport to go to milan said the coachman with a cool and philosophic air they are coming from their house at grianta this one is the countess pietranera and that one is the marchesa del dongo the sergeant quite put out of countenance went to the horses heads and there held counsel with his men the conference had lasted quite five minutes when the countess begged the carriage might be moved a few paces farther into the shade the heat was overwhelming though it was only eleven o'clock in the day fabrizio who had been looking about carefully in all directions with a view to making his escape noticed emerging from a field path which led on to the dusty road a young girl of fourteen or fifteen with her handkerchief to her face shedding frightened tears she walked between two gendarmes in uniform and three paces behind her also flanked by gendarmes came a tall bony man who gave himself dignified airs like a prefect walking in a procession but where did you find them said the sergeant who now appeared quite drunk running away across the fields and not a passport between them the sergeant seemed to have quite lost his bearings he had five prisoners now instead of the two he had been sent out to take he retired a little distance leaving only one man to look after the prisoner with the majestic demeanour and another to keep the horses from moving on stay here whispered the countess to fabrizio who had already jumped out of the carriage it will all come right they heard a gendarme exclaim what does it matter if they have no passports we have a right to take them up the sergeant did not seem quite so sure the name of pietranera had alarmed him he had known the general and he was not aware of his death the general he reflected is not the man to forego his vengeance if i arrest his wife without authority during this deliberation which was somewhat lengthy the countess had entered into conversation with the young girl who was still standing in the dust on the road beside the carriage she had been struck by her beauty the sun will do you harm signorina that honest soldier she added addressing the gendarme standing at the horses heads will let you get into the carriage i am sure fabrizio who was prowling round the carriage came forward to help the young lady into it she had her foot on the step and fabrizio's hand was under her arm when the imposing individual who was standing six paces behind the carriage called out in a voice that his desire to look dignified made yet more rasping stop on the road do not get into a carriage which does not belong to you fabrizio had not heard this order 
the young girl instead of trying to get up tried to get down and as fabrizio still held her she fell into his arms he smiled and she blushed deeply for a moment after the girl had freed herself from his clasp they stood looking into each other's eyes what a charming prison companion said fabrizio to himself what deep thoughts lie behind that brow that woman would know how to love the sergeant approached with an air of importance which of these ladies is called clelia conti i said the young girl and i exclaimed the elderly man i am general fabio conti chamberlain to his serene highness the prince of parma and i think it most improper that a man of my position should be hunted like a thief the day before yesterday when you embarked at the port of como did you not send the police inspector who asked you for your passport about his business well to-day the inspector prevents you from going about your business my boat had already pushed off from the shore i was in a hurry a storm was coming on a man without a uniform shouted to me from the pier to come back into the port i told him my name and i went on my way and this morning you sneaked out of como a man in my position does not take out a passport to go from milan to see the lake this morning at como i was told i should be arrested at the gate i left the town on foot with my daughter i hoped i might meet with some carriage on the road which would take me to milan where my first visit will certainly be to the general commanding the province to lay my complaint before him the sergeant seemed relieved of a great weight very good general you are under arrest and i shall take you to milan and who are you he said turning to fabrizio my son put in the countess ascanio son of general pietranera without a passport madam said the sergeant very much more politely he is so young he has never had one he never travels alone he is always with me while this colloquy was proceeding general conti had been growing more and more dignified and more and more angry with the gendarmes not so many words said one of them at last you're arrested and there's an end of it you'll be very lucky said the sergeant if we give you leave to hire a horse from some peasant otherwise in spite of the dust and heat and your chamberlainship you'll just march along among our horses the general began to swear will you hold your tongue said the gendarme where's your uniform any man who chooses can say he's a general the general grew more and more furious in the carriage meanwhile matters were going far better the countess was making all the gendarmes run about as if they had been her servants she had just given one of them a crown to go and fetch her some wine and above all some cool water from a villa which stood about two hundred paces off she had found time to pacify fabrizio who was most anxious to bolt into the wood that clothed the hill i have two good pistols he kept saying she persuaded the angry general to let his daughter get into her carriage on this occasion the general who was fond of talking of himself and his family informed the ladies that his daughter was only twelve years old having been born on october twenty seventh eighteen three but that she was so sensible that everyone took her for fourteen or fifteen quite a common person was the verdict which the countess's eyes telegraphed to the marquesas in an hour's time thanks to the former lady everything was settled one of the gendarmes who had business in the adjoining village hired his horse to general conti after the countess had told him he would have ten francs for it the sergeant departed alone with the general and his comrades remained under a tree with four huge bottles of wine which the gendarme with the assistant of a peasant had brought back from the villa 
the worthy chamberlain authorized clelia conti to accept a seat in the lady's carriage back to milan and the idea of arresting the gallant general pietranera's son never entered into anybody's head after the first moments devoted to general civilities and remarks on the little incident just brought to a close clelia conti noticed the touch of enthusiasm evident in the beautiful countess's manner when she spoke to fabrizio clelia was sure she was not his mother more especially was her attention attracted by the constant allusions to something bold heroic dangerous in the highest degree which he had lately done but what that might be the young girl clever as she was could not divine she gazed in wonder on the young hero whose eyes still seemed to sparkle with the fire of action he on his side was somewhat taken aback by the singular beauty of the twelve-year-old girl and his glances brought the colour to her cheeks about a league from milan fabrizio took leave of the ladies saying he must go and see his uncle if ever i get out of my difficulties said he addressing clelia i shall go and see the great pictures at parma will you deign then to remember this name fabrizio del dongo very good said the countess so that's how you keep your incognito signorina be good enough to remember that this scamp is my son and that his name is pietranera and not del dongo that evening very late fabrizio entered milan by the renza gate which leads to a fashionable promenade the very modest hordes amassed by the marchesa and her sister had been exhausted by the expense of sending servants into switzerland luckily fabrizio still had a few napoleons and one of the diamonds which they decided to sell the two ladies were much beloved and knew everybody in the city the leading members of the austrian and religious party spoke to baron binder the chief of the police in fabrizio's favour these gentlemen could not understand they declared how the prank of a boy of sixteen who had quarrelled with his elder brother and left his father's house could be taken seriously my business is to take everything seriously gently replied the baron a wise and melancholy man he was then engaged in organizing the far-famed melon police and had undertaken to prevent a revolution like that of seventeen forty six which drove the austrians out of genoa this milanese police which afterward became celebrated by its connection with the adventures of pellico and andriana was not exactly cruel but it carried laws of great severity into logical and pitiless execution the emperor francis the second was determined to strike terror into these bold italian imaginations give me said baron binder to fabrizio's friends the proved facts as to what the young marchesino del dongo has been doing every day from the moment he left grianta on the eighth of march until his arrival last night in this city where he is hidden in a room in his mother's apartment and i am ready to look upon him as the most charming and frolicsome young fellow in the town but if you cannot give me information as to the young man's goings and comings for every day since his departure from grianta is it not my duty to have him arrested however high may be his birth and however deep my respect for the friends of his family and am i not bound to keep him in prison until he has proved to me that he did not convey a message to napoleon from the few malcontents who may exist among his majesty the emperor king's lombard subjects and further gentlemen note well that even if young del dongo contrives to justify himself on this score he will still remain guilty of having gone abroad without a regular passport 
and also of passing under a false name and knowingly using a passport issued to a mere artisan that is to say to an individual of a class infinitely inferior to his own this declaration merciless in its logic was accompanied by all that show of deference and respect due from the head of the police to the exalted position of the marchesa del dongo and of the important personages who had come forward on her behalf when the marchesa heard the baron's reply she was in despair fabrizio will be arrested she exclaimed bursting into tears and once he is in prison god only knows when he will come out his father will cast him off the two ladies took counsel with two or three of their closest friends and in spite of everything they said the marchesa wished to insist on sending her son away the following night but said the countess you must surely see that baron binder knows quite well that your son is here he is not a spiteful man no but he desires to please the emperor francis but if he thought he could serve his own ends by putting fabrizio into prison he would have done it already and if you insist on the boy's taking to flight you insult him by your want of confidence but the very fact that he admits he knows fabrizio's whereabouts is as good as telling us to send him away no i shall never breathe freely as long as i can say to myself in a quarter of an hour my boy may be shut up between four walls whatever baron binder's ambition may be added the marchesa he thinks his personal position in this country will be strengthened by an affected consideration for a man of my husband's rank and the strange frankness with which he avows that he knows where to lay hands on my son proves this to me and besides the baron calmly sets forth the two offences of which fabrizio stands accused according to his brother's vile denunciation and explains that either of these entails imprisonment is not that as good as telling us that if we prefer exile to prison we have only to choose it if you choose exile repeated the countess we shall never see the boy again fabrizio who had been present at the whole discussion with one of the marchesa's oldest friends now one of the councillors of the austrian tribunal was strongly in favour of making himself scarce and that very evening in fact he left the palace concealed in the carriage which was to convey his mother and aunt to the scala the coachman whom they did not trust betook himself as usual to a neighbouring tavern and while the footman a faithful servant held the horses fabrizio disguised as a peasant slipped out of the carriage and out of the town by the next morning he had crossed the frontier with equal success and a few hours later he was safe in a country house belonging to his mother in piedmont near novara at a place called romagnano where bayard met his death the amount of attention bestowed by the two ladies on the theatrical performance after they reached their box may be easily conceived they had only gone to the theatre to secure an opportunity of consulting several of their friends of the liberal party whose appearance at the palazzo del dongo would have stirred suspicion on the part of the police the council in the box decided on making a fresh appeal to baron binder there could be no question of offering money to the magistrate who was a perfectly upright man and besides the ladies were very poor they had obliged fabrizio to take all the money remaining over from the sale of the diamond with him nevertheless it was very important to know the baron's final word the countess's friends reminded her of a certain canon borda a very agreeable young man who had formerly tried to pay her court and had behaved in a somewhat shabby fashion to her when he found his advances were rejected he had gone to general pietranera had told him of his wife's friendship with limercati 
and was forthwith turned out of the house for his pains now the canon played cards every evening with baroness binder and was naturally her husband's close friend the countess made up her mind to the horribly disagreeable step of paying a visit to the canon and the next morning early before he had gone out she appeared in his rooms when the canon's only servant pronounced the name of the countess pietranera his master was so agitated that his voice almost failed him and he made no attempt to rearrange a morning costume of the most extreme simplicity show the lady in and then go he said huskily the countess entered the room and borda cast himself on his knees before her it is in this position only that an unhappy madman like myself can dare to receive your orders said he to the countess who looked irresistibly charming in her mourning dress which was half a disguise her deep grief at the idea of fabrizio's exile and the violence she did her own feelings in appearing under the roof of a man who had once behaved like a traitor to her combined to make her eyes shine with an extraordinary light it is in this position cried the canon again that i must receive your orders for some service you must desire of me otherwise the poor dwelling of this unhappy madman would never have been honoured by your presence once upon a time wild with love and jealousy and seeing he had no chance of finding favour in your eyes he played a coward's part towards you the words were sincerely spoken and were all the nobler because at that moment the canon was in a position of great power the countess was touched to tears her heart had been frozen with humiliation and dread but these feelings were replaced in an instant by a tender emotion and a ray of hope from a condition of great misery she passed in the twinkling of an eye to one that was almost happiness kiss my hand she said and she held it to the canon's lips and stand up i have come to ask you to obtain mercy for my nephew fabrizio here is the truth without the smallest disguise just as it should be told to an old friend the boy who is only sixteen years and a half old has committed an unspeakable folly we were living at the castle of grianta on the lake of como one night at seven o'clock a boat from como brought us the news that the emperor had landed in the gulf of juan the next morning fabrizio started for france after having induced one of his humble friends a dealer in barometers of the name of vasi to give him his passport as he by no means looks like a dealer in barometers he had hardly travelled ten leagues through france when he was arrested his outbursts of enthusiasm expressed in very bad french were thought suspicious after some time he escaped and contrived to get to geneva we sent to meet him at lugano at geneva you mean said the canon smiling the countess finished her story everything that is humanly possible i will do for you replied the canon earnestly i place myself entirely at your orders i will even risk imprudences he added tell me what am i to do at this moment when my poor room is to be bereft of the celestial vision which marks an epoch in the history of my life you must go to baron binder you must tell him you have loved fabrizio from his babyhood that you saw the child at the time of his birth when you used to come to our house and that you beseech binder in the name of his friendship for you to set all his spies to discover whether before fabrizio departed into switzerland he ever had the shortest interview with any of the suspected liberals if the baron is at all decently served he will be convinced that this whole business has been nothing but a childish freak you know that when i lived in the palazzo dugnani i had quantities of engravings of napoleon's battles 
my nephew learned to read from the inscriptions on those pictures when he was only five years old my poor husband would describe the battles to him we used to put the general's helmet on the child's head and he would drag his great sword about the room well one fine day the boy hears that the man my husband worshipped the emperor is back in france like the young madcap he is he started off to join him but he did not succeed ask your baron what punishment he can possibly inflict for that one moment of folly i was forgetting something cried the canon you shall see that i am not quite unworthy of your gracious pardon here he said hunting about among the papers on his table here is the denunciation of that vile col torto hypocrite look it is signed ascanio valserra del dongo which is at the bottom of the whole business i got it yesterday in the police office and i went to the scala hoping to meet somebody who was in the habit of going to your box by whom i might send it to you the copy of this paper reached vienna long ago this is the enemy we have to fight the canon and the countess read the document together and agreed that in the course of the day he was to send her a copy by a safe hand then the countess went back rejoicing to the palazzo del dongo no one could have behaved more perfectly than this man who once behaved so ill said she to the marchesa to-night at the scala when the theatre clock strikes a quarter to eleven we will turn everybody out of our box we will shut our door and at eleven o'clock the canon will come himself and tell us what he has been able to do this plan seemed to us the one least likely to compromise him the canon was no fool he took good care not to break his appointment and having kept it he gave proofs of a thorough kind-heartedness and absolute straightforwardness rarely seen save in countries where vanity does not override every other feeling his accusation of the countess pietranera to her own husband had caused him constant remorse and he hailed the opportunity for atonement that morning when the countess left him he had said to himself bitterly now there she is in love with her nephew and his old wound was not healed otherwise proud as she is she would never have come to me when poor pietranera died she refused all my offers of service with horror though they were couched in the most polite terms and tr transmitted to her by colonel scotti who had been her lover to think of the beautiful pietranera living on fifteen hundred francs he added as he walked rapidly up and down his room and then settling herself at grianta with an odious secatore like the marchese del dongo but that is all explained now that young fabrizio is certainly very attractive tall well built with a face that is always gay and what's better with a sort of tender voluptuous look about him a correggio face added the canon bitterly the difference of age not too great after all fabrizio was born after the french came here about ninety-eight i think the countess may be seven or eight and twenty no woman could be prettier more delightful even in this country where there are so many lovely women she beats them all the marini the gerardi the ruga the arese the pietra grua she is better looking than any of them they were living happily together on the banks of that lovely lake of como when the young man insisted on following napoleon ah there are hearts in italy still in spite of what every one may do beloved country no he mused and his breast swelled with jealousy there is no other possible means of explaining her willingness to vegetate in the country and endure the disgusting sight every day and at every meal of the marchese del dongo's hideous countenance 
and the vile sallow face of the marchesino ascanio who will be much worse than his father on top of it ah well i will serve her faithfully at all events i shall have the satisfaction of seeing her nearer than through my opera glasses canon borda explained the matter very clearly to the ladies in his heart binder was disposed to do all he could for them he was heartily glad that fabrizio had taken himself off before definite orders had arrived from vienna for baron binder could decide nothing himself on this matter as on every other he was obliged to wait for orders every day he sent an exact copy of all his information to vienna and awaited the imperial reply during his exile at romagnano fabrizio was to be sure in the first place to go to mass every day to choose some intelligent man devoted to the cause of monarchy as his confessor and in confession to be careful to confide none but the most irreproachable sentiments to his ear secondly he was not to consort with any man who had the reputation of being clever and when occasion offered he was to speak of rebellion with horror as a thing that should never be permitted thirdly he was never to be seen in a cafe he was never to read any newspaper except the turin and milan official gazettes he was to express dislike of reading in general and he was never to peruse any work printed later than seventeen twenty the only possible exception being sir walter scott's novels and lastly said the canon with just a touch of spite he must not fail to pay open court to some pretty woman in the district one of noble birth of course that will prove he has none of the gloomy and discontented spirit of the juvenile conspirator before going to bed that night the countess and the marchesa wrote fabrizio two voluminous letters which explained with an anxiety that was most endearing all the advice imparted by the canon fabrizio had not the slightest wish to conspire he loved napoleon believed himself destined as a nobleman to be more fortunate than most men and despised the whole middle class since he had left college he had never opened a book and while there he had only read books arranged by the jesuits he took up his residence at some distance from romagnano in a magnificent palace which had been one of the masterpieces of the famous architect san michele but it had been left untenanted for thirty years so that the rain came through all the ceilings and there was not a window that would shut he took possession of the agent's horses and rode them all day long just as it suited him he never opened his lips and thought a great deal the suggestion that he should take a mistress in some ultra family tickled his fancy and he obeyed it to the letter he chose for his confessor a young and intriguing priest who aimed at becoming a bishop like the confessor of the spielberg footnote in andriana's curious memoirs which are as amusing as a fairy tale and should be as immortal as the works of tacitus end of the footnote but he travelled three leagues on foot and wrapped himself in what he believed to be impenetrable mystery so as to read the constitutionnel which he thought sublime as fine as alfieri and dante he would often exclaim fabrizio resembled young frenchmen in this particular that he thought much more about his horse and his newspaper than about his high-born mistress but there was no room as yet for any imitation of others in that simple and steadfast soul and he made no friends in the society to be found in the town of romagnano his simplicity was taken for pride nobody could understand his nature a younger son who is discontented because he is not the eldest said the parish priest End of chapter five